Welcome to Great Stories in American History. I'm Rebecca Price Janney. Today's story is about the attack on Pearl Harbor, a date that has lived in infamy. At sunrise on December 7, 1941, Mitsuo Fuchida led a squadron of Japanese planes toward Hawaii's Hickam Field. There at Pearl Harbor, the entire Pacific fleet slumbered under the promise of a brilliant sky, a treat for sailors who had come from the wintry U.S. mainland. At 7.49 a.m., Fuchida's cry, Tora, 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 reverberated from his microphone into the planes of 360 other Japanese air warriors. And, like mechanical wasps, they dive-bombed eight battleships, obliterating two and inflicting major damage upon six others. Nearly a dozen other ships, cruisers, mine layers, and destroyers bobbed about powerlessly in water slick with burning oil. The enemy shattered 150 planes as well. More than 2,000 servicemen died that morning, and over a 1,000 were wounded. After World War II had broken out in Europe in September 1939, Japan announced its support for Germany and Italy, plunging its relationship with America into a deep well of suspicion and resentment. Many American leaders worried that the Japanese wanted to attack both U.S. Pacific territories and friendly nations, but they never imagined the scale of destruction that reigned upon Pearl Harbor or the brashness of the plot itself. On that December morning, Japanese forces took less than two hours to crush the U.S. Pacific fleet. The following day, President Franklin D. Roosevelt appeared before Congress seeking a formal declaration of war as millions of Americans listened on the radio. In one of his most famous speeches, the President assured lawmakers and the American public that God would help the country. He said, Yesterday, December 7, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. Yesterday, the Japanese government also launched an attack against Malaya. Last night, Japanese forces attacked Hong Kong. Last night, Japanese forces attacked Guam. Last night, Japanese forces attacked the Philippine Islands. Last night, the Japanese attacked Wake Island, and this morning, the Japanese attacked Midway Island. Japan has therefore undertaken a surprise offensive extending throughout the Pacific area. The facts of yesterday and today speak for themselves. The people of the United States have already formed their opinions and well understand the implications to the very life and safety of our nation. With confidence in our armed forces, with the unbounding determination of our people, we will gain the inevitable triumph, 
so help us God. I ask that the Congress declare that since the unprovoked and dastardly attack by Japan on Sunday, December 7, 1941, a state of war has existed between the United States and the Japanese Empire. Three days later, Japan's friends, Germany and Italy, declared war on America, which was now fully immersed in the tides of World War II. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Great Stories in American History. I'm Rebecca Price Janney. Welcome to Great Stories in American History with Rebecca Price Janney. Today's story is Einstein's Humble Present. The 20th century's most famous scientist, Albert Einstein, was also one of its most loved figures. Born in Germany in 1879, Einstein had a contradictory and rather unpromising start in life. Although he didn't talk until he reached three, the precocious boy taught himself Euclidean geometry at 12. He intensely hated dull, rote educational systems, and at the Swiss National Polytechnic, Einstein frequently cut classes to study physics solo or to play his violin. Not surprisingly, his professors turned him down for a teaching position. Instead, Einstein worked as a tutor, substitute teacher, and an examiner in the Swiss Patent Office. In 1905, his dissertation on the dimensions of molecules secured him a doctorate from the University of Zurich. That year, he also published three theoretical papers that eventually changed the way scientists regarded light and motion. Like Sir Isaac Newton, Einstein believed in a universe ordered by God. While adherents of the quantum theory of the fundamental character of matter rejected his notion of strict causality, Einstein insisted, God does not play dice with the universe. As a Jew, Einstein was passionately involved in the causes of pacifism, he criticized the German aggression that led to World War I, and Zionism the right of Jews to return to their homeland in Israel, and became a target of malicious anti-Semitic attacks. When Adolf Hitler came to power in 1933, Einstein accepted a position at Princeton, New Jersey's Institute for Advanced Study, where his name became synonymous with the town. During his life in Princeton, Einstein became a beloved and familiar figure who was frequently seen taking walks and examining the kitchen gadgets at Woolworths on Nassau Street. Sometimes visitors to Princeton mistook him for a bum because of his unkempt appearance and finger-in-the-light-socket hair. Always approachable, the kindly professor, whose theories rocked the scientific community, helped a little neighbor who was struggling with his math homework. One night, his gentleness touched a group of Princeton seminarians. 
On a cold December night just before Christmas 1947, Princeton Seminary student David Crawford and eight of his friends went caroling in the venerable neighborhood around the campus. As they advanced up Mercer Street toward the seminary, the group paused before the legendary professor's house. Of course we won't go see the Einsteins, one of the students said. Well, why not, asked Crawford. It's Christmas. What will we sing? Everyone knew the professor was Jewish, but Crawford and the others persisted, because, after all, Dr. Einstein frequently attended services at Miller Chapel. They had often laughed quietly as Princeton Seminary President John Alexander Mackay would say at the close of worship, We will wait here until Professor Einstein passes out. Maybe we should sing Jingle Bells, one of the fellows suggested as he stamped his feet on the cold, clear sidewalk. That's ecumenical, another agreed, nodding. I think we should sing Silent Night in German, someone else said. That would be nice. The fellows reluctantly agreed and moved up the steps to ring the doorbell. When Professor Einstein appeared smiling, the young seminarian started singing the tune in German badly. With a twinkle in his eyes, he invited the young men into the parlor and offered them candy from a bonbon dish. Then he held up his finger as if to say, I have something to give to you. Opening the door to the hall closet, Professor Einstein got out his violin and gave the students his own gift, O Holy Night. With great stories in American history, I'm Rebecca Price Janney. Thank you for joining me.